Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Needs Don Draper is Gerard Vicente, VP of Marketing at JP Morgan. He works specifically with WePay, JP Morgan's small business, financial tech and payments division, and is currently responsible for partner, product and brand marketing. Prior to this role, he was funny manager at Comedy Central, and I'm sure we'll be getting into what that entails. So Gerard Vicente, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stu. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and it's an honor to, to be here and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Well, thanks. Great to have you. Uh, first off, then, let's get into it. What does it mean to be a bit more Don Draper? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. Um, so naturally, that means being more of an alcoholic, misogynistic, and dismissive of your peers. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm just joking. Um, but for me, as a fan of the show, I mean, it means to be a bit more Don Draper. It's finding creativity in everyday scenarios and plugging that into your everyday work. So I'm a marketer. I'm sure the listeners of this podcast uh, may be marketers or adjacent to marketing. So I'm sure that they can really uh, live and breathe that statement in that you know, creati- creativity resides everywhere and figuring out ways to plug that into your existing role is something that is very much Don Draper to me. Well, we're going to get into all of that. That's very much what we're about here. Uh, before we talk about JP Morgan, can you tell us a little bit about your time at Comedy Central? Your role was funny manager, <laughs> which sounds somewhat scary to me, yep. a lot of pressure. Uh, what was that all about? <laughs> what did it teach you about marketing? Yeah, so that's certainly my my self-given title, a funny manager. You know, I fashioned myself as a funny manager given the requirements of the job to work with comedians. We were generally working with you know, funny material, whether it was, you know, marketing campaigns or marketing scripts. But in actuality, the the nature of the job was a brand and integrated marketing manager. So really what my team and I were responsible for were promoting the shows, shows that, you know, some of the listeners may be familiar with, everything from South Park to The Daily Show to Broad City, everything in between, we were responsible for promoting. And so, you know, at, at Comedy Central, our sweet spot you know, who our advertisers and our marketers really wanted to reach to is that male 18 to 34 demographic. And so as you think about that audience, you know, the focus, you know, their focus is more fleeting. Their attention span, you know, their competition for their attention span is even higher. So for for me, what I learned during my time at Comedy Central is that, you know, from a marketing perspective, it really instilled kind of kind of these three things that I've I've carried with me into my current role. It's how to be measured as in, in targeted to speaking to that audience, precise, so really drilling down to the details of how you communicate to that audience, and relevant. And so to accomplish that, just to kind of tie up my thoughts around my time at Comedy Central, we really had to appeal to the heart. You know, I had, I had a colleague who summarized that point quite 
poignantly um, appeal to the fart, not the heart. And we <laughs> joke and, and use fart because it's a nod to our audience. You know, that audience who mm. loves the fart joke, who drinks Mountain Dew, who plays PlayStation. So really keeping in mind who it is that's, you know, consuming our content, be it, you know, pre-roll ads, TV ads, product placement, really understanding who am I speaking to really um, was something that shaped, you know, kind of my perspective and my approach throughout my marketing career stemming from my time at Comedy Central. Mm. And when your product is comedy, there's a built-in uh, advantage <laughs> that you have as a marketer because it's going to be funny. So uh, did you ever find yeah. that it was difficult to sell maybe a less funny show? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And and that's where we really had to rely on, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm kind of leveraging my own product marketing tactics here, but our differentiators, right? Mm-hmm. So if the show is not funny, which is something that, you know, people who are consuming Comedy Central content would assume it will be like, what are the differentiators of this particular show of this particular segment that would that would um, uh, attract our male 18 to 34 audience to tune in? Is it a guest host? Is it, you know, this angle of authenticity, you know, whatever it is, like, let's make sure that we surface those differentiators to the forefront so that we're marketing these, the, the show that might be a little bit different properly. Mm. And it's often thought that it's easier to embrace emotive concepts in B2C, appealing to the heart, as you mentioned. Um, how have you sort of transferred that to what you're doing now? I think something that, you know, again, that I've carried with me from my time on the brand side and on, on the B2C side is, you know, really understanding my, my audience, right? So whether you're speaking to consumers of television networks or television shows or people who are actively looking to plug in an API to power their payment processing, processing which is what I'm doing today at JP Morgan Chase, you really need to understand what makes them tick, their behaviors, their um, you know, consumer behavior specifically, how you can distribute your message to them. So I think, you know, regardless of what type of audience you're reaching, I think a lot of that playbook still remains, right? So all of those things that I mentioned, and really, and, and I'll touch on this certainly at different points in this conversation, but really being precise, concise, and smart about your messaging, because the reality is there's a lot of noise out there. So being being able to deliver your message in a quick, digestible fashion is going to be very important, especially in the B2B segment. Well, well let's get into that. How, how do you bring the heart to uh, where, you, where you are at the moment? Um, and what's the weighting between emotional messaging and rational messaging? I think it's something that we as a team kind of go back and forth on. We haven't figured out the secret sauce quite yet. Um, you know, I would say that we predominantly lean on the rational because if we think about who we're speaking to and it's merchants of these SaaS companies. So again, I keep using Uber, but you know, if you're speaking to a merchant of Uber, you know, they're going to want to know what is the benefit for me? You know, how quickly can I obtain a ride? How seamless, how frictionless is my experience going to be? And if you hit those key things, then, you know, I would venture to guess, you know, your outreach or your communication to that particular person will be successful. Having said that, you know, something that I've pulled with me from my time at Comedy Central and being on the B2C side is how do I weave in more emotion into some of that rationale thinking? And so this is where, you know, even our leader has challenged us on, you know, what she's calling leveraging smart brevity. And there's a book that recently came out, I think recently, and I'm, I'm going to plug it real quick because I think it's 
utterly fascinating and something you know a book that I would recommend to you know marketing leaders and you know executives everywhere is how can you say the most with the least right, right okay. and that's where you really need to be judicious about what you say regardless of who you say it to and so to tie back to your question about you know rational versus emotional messaging we haven't figured out this the the, the, the sweet spot yet but what I'm challenging my team is to incorporate more of the emotional and to to make sure that we're doing it in a way that's precise, concise, and smart. Okay, an ongoing process of discovery then. And and then just going back to what you were saying about um, applying uh, lessons learned from your B2C days uh, into B2B, uh, is there anything else that uh, has, has crossed over for you and, and anything else you use, you're using on a sort of weekly basis? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, as I ruminate about this, I think the thing that that really comes to mind is that bit about appealing to the heart. You know, albeit my colleague at Comedy Central use a, a more <laughs> um, sophomoric way to describe that, but tr- truly, I think appealing to the heart is something that you know carries over whether it's B two B and B two C. And you know, as I've mentioned in my current role, I have a little bit of both, where it's sometimes it's B two B, sometimes it's B two B to C, and so you know, our strategy and our messaging needs or our messaging needs to be laser focused on communicating the value of financial services, you know, payments to both groups, both the large organization and to the potential merchant actually activating and engaging with the WePay product. So what I would say is, you know, appealing to the heart and really being thoughtful around who your audience is, is something that transcends you know, vertical, whether it's, you know, again, whether it's B2B or B2C, I think those two principles carry over irregardless of who you're speaking to. Let's talk about effectiveness. Uh, Some say we don't need to be creative in a world where we can individually target people based on their demographics and behavior. (laughs) Would you agree with that? I would personally disagree. And the reason for that is, is, you know, to me, consumers are customers are people, right? And people are fundamentally distracted. And so I think about it this way. So even if I had a magic wand where I would be able to isolate or you know, you know, targeting an individual person on a one-to-one level at scale based off of demographics, their behavior, and my campaign goals, yeah, I almost think about that as in a real-life situation, having the opportunity to have a one-to-one conversation with someone, right? And I think for the listeners uh, of this episode and, and for you, Stu, I'm sure you've had a one-to-one conversation with a person before. I'm going to go out on the limb (laughs) and say that you've done that. (laughs) It's been a while, but uh, yeah, I remember them. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Great. And so if you think about, you know, a one-to-one conversation you're having with someone at a bar, you pull up a bar stool, you have a one-to-one conversation. We've had those memorable or maybe not so memorable or maybe memorable experiences in a bad way where Mm. it's boring, it's stale, it's uninteresting. Well, to me, that would be marketing without any creativity or any interesting hook, right? It would be that boring, stale, not interesting one-to-one conversation. So I would disagree with that. I think regardless of, you know, if you're targeting individuals on a one-to-one basis or at large, you know, scaling a particular campaign or marketing program, it needs to be creative. Otherwise, you're just going to lose them and it's going to be like that boring, uninteresting barstool conversation you've had with someone. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I think that really works. Um, let's let's talk some examples. Are there any B two B campaigns that have been really 
impactful on you? And if so, why do they, th- why do you think it works so well? Yeah. And this is a bit of a recency bias. And, you know, as our team is developing, you know, our strategies and testing and learning and seeing kind of, um, you know, where to place our poker chips, so to speak, in terms of our marketing mix, you know, emails has really resonated well. You know, our open rates are 2x industry standard. We're seeing a lot of click-throughs. We're seeing redemption on the back end where we're seeing folks actually engage with payments, which is the ultimate goal. And so I think as I reflect on that, because, you know, I think between you and I, Stu, you know, it's, it's an email. Like, it's not groundbreaking. It isn't necessarily the, the canvas in which people are going to win can lions, right? Mm. But I think as I reflect on, you know, why it's, you know, worked so well for us, it's number one, it's novel. Like these people haven't been spoken to before at all. And so we're opening up this conversation that is relevant, providing value, concise, and creative. And so they're engaging it with, they're engaging with it in a way that we're seeing in the metrics and in the data points. So I think number one, it's, it's novel for them. So we're opening up these conversations that never existed. We're consistent. You know, we have, you know, a life cycle in which, you know, we are plotting out a cadence in which we are speaking to them on a regular basis. And so our thought is if we're seeing them open and engage with us on the front end, if we carry that out through a proper life cycle email marketing campaign, our, hypothesis would be it would continue to succeed. So of course, you know, the, you know, um, we'll see how it actually turns out, but that is our thoughtful hypothesis. So, you know, unfortunately I don't really have a sexy, like funny, fun answer to, to that, uh, you know, a bit of recency bias, but you know, our email marketing campaign so, so far has really been, um, has really been successful for us. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then casting the, the net a bit wider, what's the best bit of B2B marketing you've seen and why did it, why did it knock your socks off? Um, for those of you who have been to New York City, you're obviously well aware that outdoor advertising of all formats is huge here. So whether you're thinking splashy like Times Square um, or you're thinking more um, you know, on a smaller scale, well, maybe not smaller scale, but literally like physically smaller within the subways, you know, I, you know, a bit that I do is that I am a sucker for subway ads, like no matter what it is as a consumer, is it a new toothbrush? Great. I'll buy it. Is it an underwear subscription? Great. I probably, I probably am subscribed to it already. And so as I think about like B2B marketing, you know, there are certain, you know, B2B organizations that have also leveraged a predominantly B2C platform, subway ads for some of their own campaigns. And one that stands out to me is monday.com. Uh, Monday.com is a productivity software, so they compete with the likes of Asana, Basecamp, Trello, um, platforms of that nature. And so, beyond the fact that they're reaching me in a place where you know I am looking to be engaged with, I mean, it's the subway. You know, my commute is about thirty minutes, and I'm just kind of you know staring around. Um, you know, what I would say is that they're colorful, they're bright. And probably, you know, important for this audience is that they're product and benefit driven, right? They, they really lean in on the fact that it is intuitive. The user interface is slick. It is, you know, a two-month free trial. So there is that, um, you know, offer attached to it. So I think for me, what they're doing, you know, through the very fine lens of subway advertising, I think they're doing a great job. Interesting. Uh, and that brings us to our rapid fire round. I'm going to throw a couple of choices at you. Don't want you to think too much. Just uh, tell me which one you instinctively <laughs> prefer. Is that okay? 
yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> All right, number one, advertising or ABM? Advertising. Go on, why would you choose that one? Oh, um, I would say advertising because I think that's, that's where the fun is. And that's not to, you know, downplay the importance of ABM as a, as a strategy. But, you know, for me personally, you know, I grew up, I cut my teeth on the ad ag- in the ad agency world, you know, shout out to Saatchi and Saatchi. You know, that's where I really kind of, um, um, you know, built my marketing and advertising muscle. So for me, you know, I think advertising is, is what makes my job fun. What, it's what makes what we do fun. Um, again, not at the expense of ABM because I, that is obviously a very important tactic, but for me, it's all about advertising. Okay. Number two, logic or magic? Yeah. So I would say magic, um, right brain, you know, again, in a different world, I would, you know, think of myself as a, you know, as someone in the arts, whether that's as a creative director or, uh, or a copywriter. So for me, it is the magic, you know, kind of tying back to my previous point about, you know, my love of advertising and how much, you know, fun and, and how much I enjoy it. You know, for me, you know, it is, it is the magic. Advertising is the magic. Okay. Well, nice and consistent. I like it. Uh, number three, brand building or lead generation? Well, lead generation is paying my bills right now. So um, I don't want to discredit that. But, you know, I guess to stay consistent and to stay on brand, uh, pun somewhat intended, I suppose, you know, brand building. You know, I think there's a lot to be said around how do you, you know, build a brand in a way that is impactful, has meaning, um, is relevant to your audiences. Um, and how do you manifest that in different marketing channels? Like what are the messages you want to say? Um, so for me, I, I think it's, it's all about brand building. And what would you say is the problem with B2B right now? You know, I, I would first reframe that question by saying that it's, I don't think it's a problem, but I think it's an inherent challenge um, in that, you know, I think leaders, um, especially those who sit adjacent to marketing, almost exclusively think about B2B marketing success through sales, through revenue, through leads, through opportunities. And I think it's up to us as marketers, whether you've been on the B2B side for your entire career or you've dabbled in B2C, it's really up to us, I think, to educate that there are outside success metrics and performance metrics beyond those that tie dollar to dollar. So, you know, what I would say is it's less of a problem because I think, you know, you know, for me personally, like I've opted into tackling this challenge head on, but it is a challenge. It's like, how do I get my executive stakeholders just to just think differently about what B2B marketing success looks like? And it's not a matter of, it's not a mutually exclusive scenario in which you only have to think about business metrics or you only have to think about, you know, share a voice or brand lift. I think there is a scenario in which they could coexist together. And I think, again, it is up to us marketers to bring that coexistence into into reality for for our executive team. Great answer. And if you could tell uh, all the CEOs to read one book, what would that be? You know what I would say? It's it's this book. It's Smart Brevity. So it was written by the co-founders of Axios and Politico. Okay. And it really hones in on saying less or saying, excuse me, (laughs) saying more with less. And I think especially from a B2B perspective, and I, I am challenged with this in my current role and even in previous roles, you know, I think the tendency is to be careless and verbose 
and to use fluffy words to you know demonstrate subject matter expertise. But I think that that that's wrong, and it requires an attitude shift and a mindset shift. And I think this book does a good job as to providing the reasons how and why. Great stuff. Uh, and then one final question uh, back to Mad Men. What's your favorite Don Draper moment or, <laughs> or quote? You know, what I'll say is, you know, and I, I feel like this is probably um, the same for many people who are fans of the show. I mean, it was Don Draper who got me into old fashions. <laughs> so that, that's, that, that's one bit. Um, I, I, could, I could safely and confidently say I never had an old fashioned prior to watching Mad Men. So kudos, cheers to you, Don Draper. Um, but to, to, to think about like a quote, you know, I, I wrote one down as I was kind of reflecting on obviously the theme of this podcast and it's make it simple, but significant. Mm. You know, I think one of the things that I've, you know, one of the insights I've drawn from that book that I mentioned earlier, and I literally have it written down on my laptop on a post-it here is don't be fancy, be effective. And I think that, and with the Don Draper quote that I just mentioned, make it simple, but significant. We're it's saying the same thing, right? It's like do more with less. And while I think about that through the lens of communication and copy and content, I think that can apply to everything. You know, whether that's budget, which you know is is a very real world, you know, um, challenge these days, given you know the you know the the state of you know the financial state of you know of where we are. You know, budgets are being slashed. You know, we might not necessarily have the headcounts that we had initially scoped. So, doing more with less. I think, and making it simple but significant is, I think, something that we could carry with us, you know, from marketing to life to to all other facets of, of our personal professional, um, um, uh, you know, personal professional self. So that's, you know, that's what I would I would say is my favorite Don Draper quote. Well, that, I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, nice and minimalist. All it leaves me to say is, Gerard Vicente, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Stu. And it's a, it was it was an honor, and I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to join you guys and participate. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much again. I'm Stuart Black, and see you all next time on B2B Needs Don Draper. <laughs>